Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. I'm going to read a short word out of Luke chapter 24, the resurrection. A very early Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly approached them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who was alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw empty linen wrappings, then went home again. Wondering what had happened. He is risen. Come on. Amen. So it's early, early in the morning. The wind's still blowing. There's still a little bit of rain. And the ladies have prepared the spices. The sun is rising. And you could just almost smell all of those spices as they enter the countryside. Uh, just imagine what it, what it would be like that morning. And, and you would think it, it wasn't quite the, the celebration and the anticipation that we have right now in this moment, but there's all of these fears that the ladies had, all of these, all of these concerns, all of these doubts, all of these worries, because there's a few things going on that are very practical in nature, because we're going to this tomb and we've prepared these spices, but there's a few problems. One, there's guards there. So are the guards even going to let us in? Uh, Two, there's a really big stone, and none of us are strong enough to move it. I'm just not sure. Three, listen, we've been following Jesus for all of this time, and now he's gone. And we're not exactly sure what's going to be next because we've given up everything to follow Jesus And so I don't know what's next. All I know is I've got this bowl full of spices, and I'm going there, and there's this sadness. There's this fear. Here's what's amazing. They get there, and everything that they're sad about, all of their fears, all of their worries, all of their concerns, Jesus is already taking care of it. The guards aren't even there. The stone's already been rolled away. There's already a plan in place for what's going to happen next. Come on. Have you ever had that moment where you just, man, there's this fear of, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how everything, and you're doing everything. You're preparing everything for worst case scenario, and then you get to the thing that you were so afraid of, and then it's already taken care of. Come on. Some of y'all, even this morning, you were trying to get the kids ready. It was like a whole thing just to get the kid to wear a jacket, you know, just something like this. And then you got here, and Judy already had the donuts out for you. Come on. (laughs) It's already done. Come on, somebody. But here's what's amazing is this story. There's this fear. There's this anticipation of what's going to happen. But then there's a whole different type of fear that happens because they have this encounter with this angel, 
And, and it says when they have this encounter with the angels, the angels, they were, they were dazzling in these white, white, just glittery robes. And I got to be honest, when I read this every time for years, when I've read this passage of scripture, in my mind, the only thing I could think of is the, the lead singer and his brother from the Bee Gees, you know? <laughs> You know, they had on the 70s gears, like that white, and it's just, it's just shining. It's just flickering, and there's in the background, and somebody's doing staying alive, staying alive. So that's how I imagine this scene. I know it didn't go down that way, but when I read it, so like they're there, and they see these angels, and they're dazzling, and they're bright, and it says that they fell down on their faces, and they were terrified. Now, there's all of these other fears that they have. There, there, there's the soldiers and the tomb and what's next and, and all of these things that could be going through their soul. But now it's not just a fear. Now they're absolutely terrified. But they're not terrified at all the problems that they're facing. They're terrified because the angel is standing before them. This is interesting because here's this moment where, I mean, what do you do when it's not just all the things that you're afraid of, but it, it's the thing that you're looking forward to is standing right in front of you. When, when, this is the thing that we've been praying about. We've been we to have this moment to talk to an angel, and it's right there, and they're absolutely terrified. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, Eleven-ish years ago, uh, me and my wife are going to the hospital, and she is about to give birth. That belly is, it is way out there. She's still looking good, though. She's got that big belly. We get there. And she's there, you know, the doctor's there to do, that, do the push thing. And she's like, he-man gripping my hand the whole time. And, and I'm like, whatever, girl, you know. And then all of a sudden, there's this look on the doctor's face. is like, something ain't right. And y'all know that look. Like, where's the, uh-oh. And they, they do try to smile. But, uh. And so all of a sudden, all these people are coming in. Little alarms are going off. And they find out that, that our daughter, Kobe, I think had the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck. And it was just too short. And it was like cutting off oxygen. Anyway, we had to do a C-section. And so they, they get her in there. They're like, you know, do you want to come in? Absolutely, I want to come in. So they put me in the full-on doctor get up. I got on the scrubs. I got on the blues. I'm on, and, I, I'm, and then, I don't know, if you dress like it, you kind of start to feel like it. <laughs> so I, I walk into the room like I'm the doctor. Like, all right, y'all, hey, everybody, we're going to do this thing. And there's like seven doctors there. And, and, and like, I'm just kind of trying to ease the tension in the room a little bit, and Devin's up, they got this little curtain where she can't see nothing, and, and, and they've cut her, and, and the doctor that's there, she, she was this awesome doctor, African-American lady, and she's doing it, and when she picks up the baby, it is the whitest child I have ever seen in my life. I mean, there's white, but then there's like glow-in-the-dark neon white, and I'm looking at this little baby girl, and I'm like, oh my gosh, so I look at the doctor, and I'm like, are all white babies supposed to look like this white? Do they come out like that? I know she ain't seen the sun or anything. And like, she's just laughing. It's like, apparently like there's this coating all over her that, you know, from the baby being in the, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So it's good. And, and, and they, they do all this thing. And, and then we get back to the room. And, uh, you know, it, it gets time to leave. It's like the next day or two days, I'm not sure. And I go out to the car and I get the car seat. You know, it's, this is the first dad moment. And, you know, you've got your car seat, and you've checked that seat belt like 17 times to make sure that car seat's in there. And you're there, and, and, you, and I'm putting my daughter in this car seat. And the nurse comes in, and she's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, what did I do? I just started being a dad. 
It's just like you, you can't put the baby in the car seat on the bed. You got to do it on the floor because if you do it on the bed, like the car seat could fall. And I'm like, I didn't know that. You know, so like that makes sense. And so we put the thing on there and then we go and I get the baby in the car and we're like, I'm looking at the rear view mirror the whole time and I'm driving 45 on 17. You know, hazard lights are blinking, y'all. Like, why do y'all drive so fast? Little old ladies are passing me. I'm like, I don't understand. And like, yeah, there's a baby in here. Come on, people, slow down. And we get there and we get to the house and I'm standing there, me and Devin are standing there, and we're, it's this moment, there's no more doctors, there's no more nurses, and she's just dazzling. And I am terrified. Because now all of a sudden, like, this is the thing we've been praying for, but now I'm responsible and it's here, and it's a whole different type of fear. Do you know what I'm talking about? One more time, there was this moment this was about six, 17 years ago. It's our wedding day. I think I would have prepared this story a little bit better. And, and we're there, and, and you know, I had to fly into Texas, and it's all ready, and I'm standing there, I'm at the altar, and, and got Chris Stanley, who was uh, playing keys this morning, he was there, and he was gonna marry us. And we're there, and I'm standing beside Keys, and I was beside Chris, and that was the last time I wore a suit. And um, I figured I'd do it again this morning. And uh, come on, and uh, we're there, and she comes around that corner, and she's wearing this dress, and it's glimmering white. Come on, and you're just like, oh, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. But then as she's walking down that aisle, Chris is there, and I'm there, and we're looking at each other, and then. And then there's this thought. I'm like, what am I getting ready to do? <laughs> this is forever. Like, you get ready to say, I do forever. Like, and there's this thought of like, but what if she's crazy? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, you guys, you know what I'm talking about. And she's walking up the aisle, and then she sees me, and it's just like, okay, he wore a suit for the first time. And then she's all happy, but then she's thinking, but what if this dude's crazy? Right? And, and like, here's a little side note. Guys, girls, like, guys marry women with this thought. I don't, I hope she never changes. And guy, girls marry guys with this thought. I hope he changes. <laughs> Let me tell you, you're both wrong. She will change, and he's pretty much peaked. Like, that's it. Like, what you see is what you get. He'll be 65 telling the same dumb jokes. Like, it's just the way... We are, but you're getting there. You can just see the moments, the fear. It's a different type of fear where you fall on your face. You're, getting, you're seeing the baby. You're getting ready to say, I do. There's an angel before you, but you've prepared all these spices, and you're, you're, you're anticipating this empty tomb, and now all of a sudden, this angel comes before you. You fall on the ground. My question this morning is, what do you do when your prayers get answered? When this moment with everything that you thought and then it happens. And then Jesus shows up here in a minute. And Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, it's the same thing. It's this fear. And Jesus asks the question later on in Luke 24, why are you frightened? Why is your heart filled with doubt? 
So they're there, and they're even seeing the resurrected Christ, and they have these questions. Why are you frightened? Why is your heart filled with doubt? And they're talking to this angel, and then the angel has a question for him, and the question is this. Why are you looking among the dead for someone that is alive? Why are you looking for the dead for someone that's alive? Now listen, I know maybe some of y'all have heard that a lot of times, but if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, what kind of question is this? Because this, this, is, this is a crazy question. What, what do you mean, why am I looking for that? Because I watched him die. Because I was there when he hung on that cross. Because I was there three days ago when the soldier pierced him and I watched blood and water flow from him. Because I was there along with the entire city that watched him die, and I watched if Joseph took the body off of the cross and wrapped him in this cloth, and I was watching as a distance as they laid him right here in this tomb. So, so this question, why are you looking for uh, amongst the dead for someone that is alive? Because I watched him die. So she had every reason in the world to be there, because where, that's where they put dead people, at the graveyard right here, and I watched it happen. Every reason Except, except for the fact that Jesus said time and time again, listen, I am going to be, go to this cross, but I am going to rise on the third day. See, there was every reason that she thought in her mind, everything in the world that lined up with this is what's going to happen, except for the word of God, except for the, the fact that Jesus said otherwise. What in our life? Have we traded our hope for? And we just come day in and day out with a bowl full of spices because this is just how it is and this is what we saw. And this has been the history up to this point. At what point do we trade our dreams for a world full of facts? Why do we keep looking amongst the dead? I think one of the Best examples of this is we can look at Abraham. He's got this promise from God. Man, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to be, you're, look at the stars. Look at the sky. Look at all. This is going to be your inheritance. And he went home every day to an empty house. Nothing. Barren wife. Even to the point where this angel shows up and his wife, Sarah, laughs at the angel. The angel says, like, no, no, you're, you're going to become pregnant. And she laughs at the angel, y'all. Now, listen, you've reached a whole nother level when, when, when the promise of God is laughable to you. Like, you could just imagine her there. Like, you're going to be, do you know how old I am? I killed that dream back in my 40s. Now, there's no way this is going to happen. I mean, God's speaking something to her, and she's laughing about it. Let me introduce you to Jill over here. Jill's probably one of the best artists in Brunswick County. She could paint, like I went to her website not long ago. She paints these birds that like, it just looks like real birds. There's these pelicans and, and like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And I just asked her the other day, I was like, I mean, have you just been painting all your life? What's the, she didn't even start painting until she was in her 50s. She's like 51 now. But <laughs> just amazing arts. Let me introduce you to Chris. They gave him just a few months to live. That was 30 years ago. Let me, let me introduce you to Matt and Morgan. 
who they said, you can't have kids. And then let me introduce you to their daughter that's about to turn five. Come on. That's the resurrected Christ. That's what he does. Even things that we laugh about and think are impossible and the world says that this is how it's gonna be. But how often do we keep bringing our bowl full of spices? How often do we keep saying that this is just the way it is? And God says like, no, there's a completely different story. See, the temptation for each one of them was to trade in the promise, to trade in the hope, to walk towards, no, 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 you're in the wrong place. Why are you looking amongst the dead for someone that's alive? Maybe you've been looking in the wrong place. What's your promise? What has God told you? There's somebody in this room today that God gave you a promise that your kids, that you and your entire household would be saved, but you've seen your kids go off and they've been acting crazy. It's been 10 years, it's been 15 years, it's been 20 years, even to the point where you're just thinking, I don't know if they're ever gonna come to Christ. And what do we sing about today? The prodigals are coming home today, y'all. All over the world. I'm telling you, prodigals are coming home and you can't trade it in. You can't give up on the hope. You can't give up on the dreams. You can't give up on the promise of God. But you've been sitting there, you've been waiting, but I'm telling you, just keep on waiting. Keep on waiting. What do you do when you wait? You keep feeding the cow because there's getting ready to be a party. Because whenever, whenever that son, whenever that daughter does come home, we're getting ready to have a party. We're ready to kill the fattened calf. So keep, like, the calf ain't gonna be fattened if you don't keep feeding it. So why is it taking so long? Because you gotta get the calf bigger. You gotta keep feeding, you gotta keep praying, you gotta keep believing. We have a lady in our church, her name's Bridget. Just a little while ago, a few weeks, I think it's been now, she lost her father. And her father was in his 70s, and they knew it was coming, it was his last days, and got to the point where they had put him in hospice. And Bridget got to go up there and spend some time with him. And as she's there and she's spending time with him, he says this to her. He says, I want you to go and I want you to tell all the members of the family, anybody, if we've had any bad blood through all these years, if, if they're mad at me or if I've been mad, like, they're welcome here. They could come and they could talk to me and there's forgiveness. And, and, and I forgive them. And they can, I, I just don't want anyone else to live with anger in their hearts. I don't want our family to be divided any longer, so just, just tell them. And, and Bridget says she left the room and she was talking to some of her sisters and she talked to one and she said, I think this dude found Jesus. And she said, they said, yeah, yeah, we had, he did. In these last, these last couple weeks of his life, he found Jesus. It took 70-something years, but he found Jesus. What does that mean? That just means there's a bigger calf for the party, y'all. That means that, that we've been praying all this all along. Somebody's been waiting, some, somebody's, somebody's son right there, been waiting, some family to come together. It took 70 years, but don't give up. Keep believing. Refuse to trade in the promise. We can never give up. Stop looking for the dead. Look for things that are alive. Then the story says this, they rush back. They have this moment, and they've that empty tune, this conversation with the angel, and what the angel said to them, and they rush back to tell all the disciples, like, this is what's happened. Jesus is risen from the dead, and you'd expect everyone to be excited, but they're not. As a matter of fact, 
These are the disciples, y'all. These are the 11. These are the chosen. These are Jesus' boys. And it says that the story sounded like nonsense. Like, wait a minute. But Jesus has told you that this is going to happen. And now it's happened. And now people that have been with you in relationship for all of these years, they're telling you it happened just the way Jesus said it was to happen. But still to you, it sounds like nonsense. This is amazing in this moment. But let's be honest. The gospel stories on a lot of level sounds like nonsense. The very fact that the creator of everything would come down and die for me and for you, that he would hang on a cross and be raised from the dead on the third day. I understand why that's hard to believe. Because if you were the creator, we would have given up on you a long time ago. If I was the creator of all these things, like this is the God that we serve. And so it sounds like nonsense, but here's what's interesting. They hear this story, and even though it sounds like nonsense, what do they do? It says two of the disciples, and John tells us in his gospel, it's Peter and it's John, they go out and they start running towards the tomb. This is very interesting. Because if it's nonsense, why are you running? If it's nonsense, why are you going to check it out? Why are you going to investigate? Because I found this to be true. When you're, when you're approached with a story that sounds so unbelievable, there's often two big reactions you could have. A, you just dismiss it and never think about it again. Or B, you investigate it. Oh, and there, I, I don't know, I don't believe, but there's something to this story. So I got a story for you this morning. I wanna let you, everyone know for those of y'all that know that you know, we've got a building project, all this stuff going on, everything is taken care of. And the reason why everything is taken care of is because I got an email this last week from a Nigerian prince. <laughs> no, seriously. He told me that literally hundreds of millions of dollars are mine. I just need to forward him about 300 bucks. <laughs> what? What's the problem? It's all taken care of, right? No, it's nonsense. And it goes into the spam folder. It's not even worthy of being investigated. But let's say something else happens. Let's say you go home today and you open up your mailbox tomorrow and inside that mailbox is a certified letter. A legitimate attorney that you know the attorney's right down the street. It's been stamped, it's been certified. And it says like, hey, I know you don't know this, but uh, you had this, this relative that's passed away. You might not have even known that you had this relative, but in their will, they left you as the inheritor of their estate. Do you just throw that letter in the trash? No, you do not. You may not believe it. You may think it's a big scam, but you call the attorney. This is what's happening here. They hear this, and it says that there's all this doubt, there's all this unbelief, but no, 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 no. There's something about it I want to believe. I want to believe, so they, they investigate and they run towards it. But here's the thing. What they're expecting and what they get are two different things. See, the ladies are there at early that morning. They brought these spices, and they're expecting to prep a dead body to stay in a grave. But what did they get? They didn't even get Jesus at first. They got the messenger. They got the angel right there, and, and they weren't expecting it. They were expecting something else. See, maybe you came to church this morning, and, and you were, have these certain expectations and maybe even you expect, maybe God, maybe God, Jesus will show up in the flesh at church this morning, and then I'll believe. If Jesus just shows up, 
but he didn't show up in the flesh. And what you got was Dean, right? And you're like, but there was something about Dean when he handed you that cup of coffee. There was something about Tommy or Garrett or somebody when they opened the door for you this morning that like this angel, there was a shine about them. And all of a sudden, they're preparing the way for you to meet Jesus. And all of a sudden, there's something that, oh, it isn't what I expected, but the evidence points that, listen, but the tomb is empty. And, and so they start walking back, and they start having the conversation, and, and, and I'm not sure. I, this, and this is the hardest place to live into, because this is the in-between. You're in between all of your doubts and all of your fears and all of your worries and everything that you know logically with your mind because after all, just three days ago, you watched his lifeless body come off of that cross. And, and then there's, but everything that you want to believe. I, I, I want to believe, I want to, Lord, help my unbelief. All of you want to live into the story and all of the signs are pointing to and the, the, the tomb is empty, but I, I wanted to see him. So how do we live in between this doubt and this, this unbelief and this desire to hope? And well, Jesus addresses this problem. And he even says this, like, yes, listen, guys, you believe because you've seen me, but how blessed are the ones who, who haven't and they do believe. And they do believe. How blessed are you when you begin to let your heart and your soul inform you of, no, 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 there's something to this. I've got to investigate it further. Where you move from that place where you had hoped to now full of hope. This is one of the biggest and smallest mountains to climb all at the same time. And I've watched and I've seen I could see Christians get stuck here for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You're in between the bowl of spices and the stories of other people, but on the inside, ah, there's still all this doubt, all these worries. Even time after time as Jesus has taken care of things. And this is the beautiful thing about the resurrection story. The res resurrection story is for everybody. It's for the sinner and the saint. It's for the dude who has full of faith and the dude who has no faith. It's for all of us. It's for the, for the pastor and the prostitute. It's for the Pharisee and the Pharisee in me. It's for all of us. It's a story of resurrection and hope for the teacher, for the student, for the shepherds in the valley, for the businessmen in the city, and everyone in between that's still investigating. Are these claims true? And so there's three questions, um, or three things I want to give you if you're in the room and you find yourself in that in-between. You're still investigating, still trying to wonder, I want to believe, but there's a piece of me that, I don't know, I doubt. What do I do? First thing, it says, Peter and John ran to the tomb. Now, in God's, John's gospel, John does this really cool thing. He says, uh, as we ran to the tomb, I want everyone to know that I got there first. <laughs> I mean, there's just a little bit of competition amongst these guys. So like John said, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved got there first while Peter trailing 50 yards behind, just saying, like you can just imagine the boys up in heaven like, eh, you had to put that in there? Yes, I did. <laughs> you know? But he's there, and here's the thing about John and Peter. John 
is this, uh, John is this type of just praise and worship. We find, we find John just resting his head uh, on Jesus' breast. We find John, there's just, there's just calmness. John is the Allen uh, of, of, the, of the group. He's just the cool and calm. And then you have Peter. Peter's the one that's just full of faith, y'all. He's the one putting his foot in his mouth every five seconds. He's the one that's jumping out of the boat and walking on the water. And, and you have these two, and there's complete opposites, but they're running to the tomb together to investigate the claims that these women had. And as, as they get there, and I think this is important because John says, no, I, I got there first. See, I think there's a point in your Christian walk where you've got to let your worship and your praise inform your faith. In other words, I have these doubts and I have these fears, but I'm going to worship my way through it. I'm going to worship my way until I find myself on the other side of this. Lord, I don't see all the answers to it right now, but I'm just believing that you've already done it. I don't see that it's finished, but I'm believing that it's finished. We're still in the midst of this thing, but God, you're still at work. I know my kids are still acting crazy, but I'm going to worship you anyway like they're already saved. I know the bank account's still empty, but I'm going to worship you like you've already filled it. Come on, sometimes you've got to let your worship and your praise inform your faith. Sometimes you got to say, listen, I just forgive that person. And then you forgive them again and again until you believe it. Oh, am I the only one in here? Come on, are y'all super Christians this morning? No, no, no. Sometimes it's a process where I've got to let my worship, I've got to let myself know. I'm going to inform myself. I'm going to pray for this brother, and I'm going to believe for him. And God, I'm going to speak your blessing until I believe it. Again, year in and year out, no matter how long it takes, I'm going to pray for this and believe it until all of a sudden the work of the Holy Spirit has done something in you that you didn't even think was possible, and all you did was just worship your way through it. And all of a sudden, faith comes up behind it. All of a sudden, faith joins you at the tomb and says, no, 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 it's empty, and he has risen. Sometimes your heart's got to inform your head. Sometimes your hands and your feet got to inform your heart. Sometimes I don't even know, but I'm just going to do this thing. I'm going to do it in faith. I'm just going to believe, God, I don't know how it's going to, but I'm just going to move in faith in this thing, in this area of my life. I'm just going to serve in this marriage. I know she's still acting crazy, but I'm just going to serve this woman. And I'm not going to manipulate it. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to try and do all this so I could secretly get my way. No, no, I'm just going to do this, God, and you do the work. And then all of a sudden, Whew, faith starts showing up, and all of a sudden, things start happening. This is a moment, and it's core for everyone's life. You've got to let your worship, your praise inform. See, I think some of us, we're so stressed out because we're trying to figure out how. That ain't your job. Your job isn't how to figure out how. Your God, God, you did that. It's on you. You figure out the how. I'm just obedient to whatever you say, whatever you want to do. I'm just, it's my job just to love I'm just going to love you. I'm just going to love you in the midst of this. God, you're going to work it out. Keep running towards the promise. You might not see him yet, but I guarantee you he'll show up. He starts showing up. He just looks like Dean at first. Come on. But you keep investigating. As a matter of fact, when Mary sees him, she thought he was the gardener. Until... You see Jesus in the face of the gardener, it's going to be a hard time to see Jesus in the face of Jesus. Because he's all around us and he's living, he's breathing, he's moving, he's in us and through us. He longs to reveal himself. And part of it is just saying, no, no, I'm going to worship you. Stuck in this in-between. 
There's this next thing that we could do. The story goes on in Luke 24 where uh, it says these other two disciples are walking along the road, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up beside them, and they don't even know it's Jesus. And when he shows up, he asks them this question. He says, listen, this is sadness that was written all over their faces. And he, what are you discussing so intently? What things have happened? And I think this is crazy because you have these two disciples that have been following Jesus. Now all this is happening, and there's just a sadness on their face. The, the same conversation we saw Jesus died, the, the hopelessness. And, and I found this to be true. Like, you get around people that have the same story as you, you begin to feed off of that same story. You, you get people depressed, and all of a sudden, you're depressed. And, and, and it, I, think, I think it takes someone else that has a different perspective to come along and walk beside us, to say, I, I know this is what you think you saw, this is what I know you think. I know there's a reason why they're sad, but let me actually tell you there's a whole different thing going on that you didn't even see. There's all of this happening, and you, and you, don't, you, don't, you don't even know it. If we're not careful, we can just surround ourselves with people. And that, we've seen this amplified so much here in America, where everything is just about people who agree with us on everything. Your entire Facebook feed and all that is just geared around to get people that think just like you and believe just like you. And so we walk, and all of a sudden, I'm telling you, if you want, you want to get away from this in-between place, start getting around people that have a different perspective. Start getting around people that see things a little bit different. And, and here's what's crazy. They've been told this story, and they've even heard from the ladies that like, no, 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 they, we were told that he's alive, and there's all these amazing reports, but they still couldn't believe it. We get so focused on the way that we think things should be that we can't get rid of that bowl of spices. We kill those dreams 20 years ago, 40 years ago, because this womb's already dead. We go expecting a body at an empty grave. We get so focused, and I think it takes an outside source sometimes to awaken us to the possibilities of a completely different story. Third thing is this. One, you gotta worship. Let your worship inform your faith. Two, you gotta let others in. Hear the story from a new perspective. Three, this is what Jesus does with them. He says he opened the scriptures to them and he began to explain through all the scriptures why these things must happen. I'm telling you, it's one thing to get into the scriptures. It's a whole nother thing to get into the scriptures with Jesus. When all of a sudden you start, oh, Jesus, and he starts revealing things to you that, man, there's something only whenever, oh, man, when you're right there, God, and I've, I've read it a hundred times, but now you've just breathed life on this. And I see it from a whole new perspective. I don't want to just read it. I want to read it with you. I want you to read it into me. Let's all stand to our feet. All of this and these moments are happening and 
even today, you could kind of come to a service like this and hear the story, and hopefully God's working on your heart. You've been in that in-between phase for a long time. And you could leave this place and you want to rush and you want to tell other people what's happened. But here's the thing. It could sound like nonsense to them. It could sound like nonsense. But you know what you got to do? You just got to keep telling the story anyway. Because the story of Jesus, very few people just dismiss it. They'll start investigating it. And they'll investigate it by watching your life changed and my life changed. And, and, and they'll investigate it by, well, showing up today, showing up next week, showing up to your house, showing up to your small group. And all of a sudden they begin to see Jesus and their life gets awakened to something completely new. Why are you looking amongst the dead for someone that's alive? I tell you, he's alive this morning, and he's already taking care of it. All of your worries, all of your doubts, all of your fears, the, the guards are gone, the stone is rolled away, and the plans and the purpose that he has for you, man, you can't even begin to imagine all that he wants to do. And you gotta worship your way through it. You gotta step out into a new story, and you've got to let the word do the work in you. You can't do it. You just got to say, God, let's start just seeing you in your scriptures. And at some point, you'll come to the realization that tomb's empty. And he is risen. He's risen. Come on, y'all. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's alive forevermore. And he's living and breathing and moving today. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, we just come to you and we just thank you. We thank you for empty tombs. We thank you that you are the resurrected king. And, Lord, resurrection is still happening today. Lord, you've been preparing cows for a long time. You've been feeding cows in the field, waiting for your sons and your daughters to come home. And, Lord, may today be the day of salvation. May the day be the day that we all rejoice with the angels as heaven gets populated even more. If that's you and you're in the room and you know you just need to come back to Jesus. If that's you and you're in the room and you've, maybe you've even been coming to church for the last 10, 20 years, but you've been in that in-between place. And, and this is just a moment where you need to let your praise and your worship inform your faith and say, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. I need you. I need you. If that's you and you're in the room, you just want to know him more, raise your hand. It's this prayer of salvation that God would come in. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Everybody, please pray after me. Lord Jesus, God, I'm yours. God, you're mine. Fill my heart. Fill my mind. I lay it all down before you. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen and amen. Guys, give it up. We have some people in the house that gave their life to Jesus. Come on. Greatest miracle that you'll ever see. Hey, let's take some time. Let's just worship together.
Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.